dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Lord to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Are you, are you sick, Mother Natalia? You're, yeah, I'm not yeah. actually very. Truth be told, I am not feeling well. Oh, I'm really? not lying at all. There's okay. nothing. There's, there's I was no just lying. making fun of your manly voice, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh, when I'm sick, I sound like this. Uh, well, when I when I'm sick, I sound like my brother Joseph, which has a slightly deeper voice. Thank God. Um, thank God for him because he has to. Yeah, he had to pick up a lady at some point. I don't. We actually did hear. Um, I used to think that my brother Joseph and I had the same voice, and then we recorded together. And everybody's like, "No, Father, his voice is so much more manly than yours." Pretty deep voice. I do, and I like it. You but put mine to shame. My brother Joseph is even deeper. I'm I'm bigger than people think by listening to my voice. You know what? If you and I start a podcast, which we want to do, yes. it's going to be interesting because if we don't do video, and this happens all the time, then people think they know what you look like, and then they meet you, and then you can ask them, like, do I look anything like I sound? And I always, Father Nathan Goble, when I was on Catholic stuff, I've said this before, he always got yes, exactly. Big guy, scruffy beard, mullet. Like that's exactly how his voice sounds. Um, with me, they're like, no, I expected like taller, more hair. I'm like, so, so, so my voice, my voice is a lot better sounding than I am looking. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Whoever you are. So, uh, welcome, Father Nathan, Simeon Adams. So I'm um, giving up, I'm not Natalia anymore. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going okay. to throw in the towel about Father the fooling. All right. All right. I wasn't sure how long we are going to keep that up. This is Father Nathan, uh, my buddy who's ordained a priest. How long now, Father? Oh, about four and a half years. Four and a half years. Um, you guys, if you're, if this is going, coming out on, uh, what God is not, then you, you met him and his wife on the married priesthood podcast, um, that we did. That is one of, one of the fan favorites. So thank you again for that, Father Nathan. Um, and so Father Nathan and I are at the Religious Ed Congress, the Anaheim Religious Ed Congress, um, where I've recorded a bunch of interviews over the past few years and where I met one cowboy um, who actually, I think cowboy is the one who brought us through Bishop Gerald to this event. How many years ago now, cowboy? Eight, Eight years ago. No. And and we just we just finished the maker's mark that he brought to that very first recording like a year or two ago. So he brought his maker's mark and Father Nathan Goble, who came as well to record Catholic stuff, got so paranoid because we're not allowed to drink here. We we didn't think we were. We're not allowed to drink here. So Father, so Cowboy, I'm, I'm I think the special limitations is done, Cowboy. So Cowboy snuck in alcohol and stuck in these glasses. So so what I decided to do is I just put the glass because I, I was unafraid. I put the glass of whiskey just on the table, and I was sipping on it. But Father Nathan. Goble was so paranoid that he shot it and then hid the glass. And then so Cowboy just refills it under his chair, puts it back on the table. Father Nathan gets right, shoots it again, <laughs> hides the glass. So Father Nathan's getting kind of toasted while I'm just sipping on my whiskey, but he's getting toasted because he's afraid. Anyway, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was hilarious. So, okay. So anyway, Father Nathan's unused to the banter. So we, we, we I'm should. Not used to it. I'm, I'll pick it up. <laughs> I'll pick, I'll well, it I'm not. I'm used to banter, but I'm not used to banter that I have to respond to. Oh, yeah, no, I like you to just be able to sit and Amen. enjoy. Like, okay, yeah, that's good, that's good. But I don't want to say anything. No, I just yeah, want to enjoy that's how it should said. be. Podcasting, I realized, is just about literally. If if it's anything other than just completely being yourself and saying whatever you want to say, it just becomes a burden. Like podcasting is, I don't want to prepare for it. I don't want to have to worry about it. I don't want anxiety about it. I don't want to have to stress out about anything. So yeah, and anything that is is seems forced is just not cool. I, I I kind of feel like it's like the first couple times I preached, right? Where it's like I don't quite, I feel out of my element a little bit. Yeah, it's not my my normality. So my my first my training for preaching. And this is actually very apropos to this podcast, but my training for preaching was probably similar to yours, but I had Father Jack Custer and he he had us preach in the chapel to uh, locals. So he brought in all these business together that live nearby and he, we put about maybe six or seven of them in the chapel and he had us preach to them. And so we would actually read the epistle, read the gospel, and then we'd preach. And so... I started out by just reading my homily because I wrote it out. He had to he had to approve it. We got a grade for it. And I read my homily and he's just like, I like your thoughts, but that is the most boring presentation I've heard in my entire life. The problem was, is all the neighbors he brought in were just like, oh, father, that was so wonderful. Best homily I've ever heard. They really weren't critical. So then I, so then I said, well, I got to change this up. So then I just wrote an outline, but I'd hold it in my hand. And so after about doing this two or three times, I would scrunch up the outline in my hand just out of habit. 
And then Father Jacques would say, why are you even holding it? Like, that's just, that's your comfort blanket. Set it down, just preach from the heart. And so I started doing that even before I graduated seminary. And my very first preaching I did as a deacon, literally a man in the congregation who had been a Protestant minister started taking tick marks for every time I said, um, right, right, right. I was like looking for affirmation. I mean, this, right, this, right. And he, he stopped, he's like, I stopped making tick marks after like 64 times you said the word right. He's like, it was the most annoying things I've ever had to do in my life. So please stop saying the word right as if you're like looking for affirmation after everything you say. My so. uncle got on me this, on this, I was maybe like 16. And he would, he would count every times I said, um. Oh yeah. And he would say it. You said, um, again. He said, um, again. He said, um, again. And it helped me to really process that I'm not using my words with precision. Yeah. Right. I'm not, I'm not paying attention to what I'm actually saying. Yeah. It's helpful. It can be really helpful. It, it can be really stuff. helpful in the beginning. I think, I think once we get older, it's like, it's really hard for me. I mean, I want to change. I want to get better about those things. But when I, when you've done something for 45 years now, it's, it's, I'm 45. Like it's really hard. It makes me so nervous. That I just mess up in other ways, you know? So yeah, I, uh, please continue giving us the feedback. We actually have a uh, listener advisory committee that we have six people on Cowboy Cowboys on it. Including you two, seven. Including us, there's seven. And we, we, the people just quarterly will, will sit down with us for an hour quarterly if, if we're on it, um, in, in quotes. Um, what's this called? Yeah. Air quotes. Um, in air quotes because we don't do it enough, but we have people who have like seven people that just, we have one non-Catholic Laura, uh, um, who's kind of seeking. And then we have few Catholics, a, uh, a few Roman Catholics, a few Byzantine Catholics, and hopefully very soon one Orthodox person. You know who you are. This listing I've asked you and you said you could probably do it, but you're going to get back to me. Um, and hopefully one Orthodox person soon to actually give us feedback on things like that. And we ask, how is the presentation? How are the topics? How is our relationship? All those things that we talk about and people give us good feedback. How did you, because you're a good homilist, how did you do in seminary in general? Did, they, did you improve? Did you dramatically improve by the time you got through? Yes. I dramatically improved homiletics. I dramatically improved um, the the things. The, so this is what happened. I failed my master's program twice. And they were going to ordain me without an MAT or an MDiv. And then when I got ordained, they came back to me and said, hey, we, we want you to get an MDiv. Um, even though you failed your MAT, we, we want to give you an MDiv. So we're going to tailor it to your skill set. So my MDiv, my thesis was three homilies on marriage. So they just looked at it and they said, what do you, what do you like? And what are you good at? What are you going to use in your ministry? You're going to use preaching and the sacraments. So they took those two classes, preaching and sacraments, and they, they had me write three homilies on marriage. And I got like summa cum laude or something like that, just because it was tailored to my, like what I was well, actually going to use. You get summa cum laude off of, Three papers. They didn't. They didn't count your grades for your classes. Oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah. The, the the classes I did fine. Are they okay? So did they have? Was it an actual master's degree back then? Because I heard a while back that they didn't actually grant they master's didn't. degrees. So they they became accredited while I was there. Okay. So I got grandfathered gotcha. in gotcha. because like they got like my third year or something like okay. that. Yeah. That makes sense. So that that's a really good question. I I like your story though because I think. A lot of times we think, I'm sorry, I keep doing this. That's right. A lot of times we think that it's going to be the guys in seminary who have the highest grades, have the highest GPAs. They're going to be the, the, the kind of oh. the priests that really accomplish things. And oftentimes it's just that we're, we're, we're um, affirming the eggheadiness of individuals who aren't necessarily going to be great yeah. priests. They're not going to be necessarily good at meeting with people and interacting yeah. and all the rest. So your story is kind of cool because I think you are a good priest. Thank you. And I, and I, I think, thank God for Father Jack Custer. He was the one who, who, I mean, I even remember my first year there, I didn't have a car. So he just said to me, um, you're, I can tell that your ministry is going to be caring for outcasts. He said, so once you've, once you've gotten everything done, you need to get done, jump on a bus and go to downtown Pittsburgh and go love on the poor. Like, like I want you to spend four years away from this building on your free time and actually out in the world where you're good, probably going to be living out your priesthood. And it was, it was, it was so incredibly helpful to me because he even said, even if your grades suffer a little bit in the academic ways, that's okay. You know, get it done and then go out and, and, and train for what you're actually going to use. And that was just his wisdom at that mm -hmm. time. So, yeah. 
And I think that's what kind of, that's what human formation is, of course, too. That's what it's supposed to be. So, so, all right. So, um, Father Nathan and I were bouncing around a bunch of ideas. Thank you, by the way, by the way, for those who jumped on my personal Facebook page and, uh, and gave some ideas for this podcast. We're going to ignore all of them. Um, not really. We may, we may incorporate some of them, but I thought it would be a good idea. And I always wanted to do this with another priest. And I kind of did it with Father Nathan Goebel a few times, but um, I, I'm being an extrovert and a external processor. I love and I, I make decisions by having conversation. And I've always wanted to write a homily by having a conversation. So in other words, here's the readings. And then obviously, <laughs> Father Nathan and I were joking beforehand. This is like exactly what the fathers of the church would say, do not do when you write a homily. <laughs> but we're going to, so we'll say we're going to prepare for a homily. Father Nathan is preparing a year and a week ahead because he's not preaching this weekend. So right. this is a preparation for your homily on the first Sunday of the Great Fast next yes. week. But I am preaching tonight <laughs> and tomorrow. And, and just a heads up, I have not seen the text yet. So yes. I haven't got to take a look at it. So it will be fun to do it. But I haven't been able to do any background work yet. Very good disclaimer. Yes. I, I have read the readings and I have listened to a podcast and a half from scripture commentators on these scriptures. So I have a little bit of more preparation, only because I'm preaching tonight um, on these readings. So, Fair enough. But um, I figured that's the first thing we would do. Um, also, I want to give a, well, we'll give a shout out to people as we see them, but also a shout out to Sandy Barba, who you all know, who's sitting here as well, who you all know from the fasting podcast last year. What did we call it? Sandy doesn't remember. What was the name of the podcast? It was on, it was on my, to my two spiritual daughters, Libby and Sandy, who fast a lot better than I do. That, you guys remember that one. And Sandy's here with us too. So, all right. We'll give a shout out to Paul and Larry when they show up. All right. Um, so. Where are we starting? Are we starting in Hebrews or John? We're going to start with Hebrews. I'll read, the, I'll read them in the order. Father Nathan's going to follow along with his Greek because he's a smarty. Um, I'm and, just pretending. <laughs> and then, um, so I'm going to read the two readings and then Father Nathan and I are going to talk about um, how we process the word of God for this first Sunday of the great fast, which is tonight and tomorrow as we record this. And then we'll uh, we'll talk about it. So yeah, just please be patient. Uh, this is the word of God. So listen reverently, even if you're jogging or doing laundry or whatever. All right. The reading is from Paul, just to cause trouble. Paul to the Hebrews. I appreciate it. <laughs> Causing trouble with the right people. Exactly. All right. Brethren, oh, my hold faith. On. Give me, sorry, give me a verse. Course. Oh, sorry. Uh, Hebrews 11. Oh. This is going to be Hebrews 11, 24 through 26, then jumping to 32 through 40. And then 12 verses one through two. Can you help me along? Yep. I'll, by just I'll, saying it. Yeah, I'll we, say that as, as we transition. Yep. So this is first Hebrews 11, 24 to 26. Brethren, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He wished to be ill-treated along with God's people rather than enjoy the fleeting rewards of sin. Moses considered the reproach borne by God's anointed greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Skip to verse 32. What more shall I recount? I have no time to tell of Gideon or Barak, Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, did what was just, obtained the promises, they broke the jaws of lions, put out raging fires, escaped the devouring sword, Though weak, they were made powerful, became strong in battle and turned back foreign invaders. Women received back their dead through resurrection. Others were tortured and would not receive deliverance in order to obtain a better resurrection. Still others endured mockery, scourging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawed in two, put to death at sword's point. They went about garbed in the skins of sheep or goats, needy, afflicted, tormented. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered about in deserts and on mountains. They dwelt in caves and in holes of the earth. Yet despite the fact that all of these things were approved because of their faith, they did not obtain what had been promised. God had made a better plan, a plan which included us. Without us, they were not to be made perfect. Skipping to chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we for our part are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every encumbrance of sin which clings to us and persevere in running the race which lies ahead. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus who inspires and perfects our faith. 
All right, I want to take a break here um, and just talk about the other themes. Why we are hearing this reading is because the ancient theme of the first Sunday of the Great Fast is the prophets. Um, the uh, these themes were 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 uh, stressed by the church, especially for catechumens, because this is a time of the formation of catechumens. The forty days of the Great Fast was originally really only lived out in its. Uh, intensity by catechumens. Um, the great fast initially was only one week long. It was only great in Holy Week. And the theme was the passion of Christ. The 40 days that we Byzantines added to that Holy Week was not the passion of Christ, was not the theme, but the theme rather was our own repentance. And so this is repentance as a preparation for baptism and therefore a preparation for the death and resurrection of Christ. So um, we're hearing themes that are meant for catechumens um, to learn. Here comes Valeria and uh, and Jose with their chairs. I see why they left. Um, Valeria, gave, well, welcome to chat. You know Valeria from a couple different podcasts. And Jose will come on one day. We'll see. Seminarian, Archdiocese of LA. Um, so the the theme was especially for catechumens was the prophets, uh, the prophetic word of God, and and how the people who the catechumens were preparing for baptism like the prophets were preparing for the anointed one, for the Messiah. And we hear those themes here. Um, it also was, was a, a um, encouragement of them in their suffering because for various reasons, of course, being a catechumen means suffering, um, primarily because the devil hates it. The devil hates that you're about to be baptized and the devil is gonna bring about great suffering. But also, especially in the ancient church, it was such a pagan world that 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 the pagans um, obviously had their restaurants, they had their meat offered to idols. The world was a pagan world. And so to be a Christian, um, to reject this paganism meant suffering. And, and so even after Constantine, um, after the, the legalization of Christianity, there was still an amount of suffering that, that right away, these catechumens are learning, if you love Christ and want to be in union with him through baptism, you're gonna have suffering. Um, so now I want to read the gospel just so that we can go into both as you would hear it similarly in the divine liturgy. And by the way, um, as I find my spot here, all of these readings are from the translation that, that you Byzantines are going to hear on Sunday. So I'm reading these right out of the, right out of our liturgical books, which are very interesting translations, um, usually based upon the old 1960s NAB, but then also adapted uh, according to the Slavic translation a bit. Father Nathan, I'm sure could speak more on that. But um, this is John chapter one, Father Nathan, verse 43. We're going to end at verse 51, end of the chapter. At that time, Jesus wanted to set out for Galilee, but he first came upon Philip. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the town of the same town as Andrew and Peter. Philip sought out Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses spoke of in the law, the prophets too, Jesus, son of Joseph of Nazareth. Nathanael's response to this was, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip replied, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he remarked, this man is a true Israelite. There is no guile in him. How do you know me? Nathanael asked him. Before Philip called you, Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree. Rabbi said, Nathanael, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus responded, do you believe just because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see much greater things than that. He went on to tell him, I solemnly assure you, you shall see the sky opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. So I'm gonna give my initial thoughts to give Father Nathan a chance to, to process this a bit. Um, but again, first Sunday of the Great Fast, uh, we now also along with the prophets celebrate the victory of orthodoxy, the triumph of orthodoxy. We call this the Sunday of orthodoxy, meaning um, this is the Sunday where we thank God and rejoice in the fact that after over a hundred years of iconoclasm, iconoclasm means like icon smashing or icon smashers, um, through the influence of many different things, but even, even Islam, many of the bishops in the kind of fifth through a little bit through the fifth, but especially the seventh through ninth centuries, um, were calling icons idols and saying that they went against the commandment against having idols or graven images. So there was a, a council, the seventh ecumenical council, which, um, proclaimed that using icons was orthodox. It was true glory or true worship is what orthodox means. It was, it was, it was 
okay it was promoted and maybe even necessary to use icons in our worship because icons are physical manifestations of the invisible God and that's what Jesus was. Jesus was incarnate. He became an icon, an image of God. We have that in the scriptures. And so over a hundred years after this council, um, through the proclamation of the Empress, now um, it was proclaimed to all the Eastern churches that we can use icons in our churches. And then um, so, on- 787 is the council. 787 is the council. And then 843 is the official- Thank you. Um, kind of worldwide affirmation of that. So, uh, the council was 787. 787 and then and 843. 843. Yeah. So in 843 was when we started celebrating this the triumph of orthodoxy on the first Sunday of the great fast before that was just prophets. Um, so, so now, now we can do that. Um, so you'll see in these readings, not only the mention of prophets, which you all see in the gospel, but also I love the phrase. I heard a commentator say this only in my research this year, the come and see. So when, when, when Philip says to him, come and see, there's something about seeing God that Moses and Elijah, who are prophets, were able to do. But, but we see Christ when we see icons. Icons are wind into heaven and we see, we touch, we feel. And even the word prophet, prophetes, that means mouthpiece of God. It means we can hear God. So that there's, um, this Sunday in a very real way is a celebration of the fact that God condescended to become like us and the way that we experience that that likeness to us is through the use of iconography, even the Roman Catholics to a lesser degree statues that, that are something physical and inspire us, uh, but also just the, the proclamation of the word of God, the word of the prophets. And I would even tie in the sign of the cross, prostrations, all these things that we do so much during the great fast that are physical manifestations of our, of our faith. Any thoughts, Father Nathan? Well, that's your introduction. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Then we can get into the text. Let's do it. Okay. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in knowing how do you, Okay, so when you, right when you read the text, yes. what is the first thing that you do to try to figure out how you want to go forward with your interpretation? So I, when I read the text, I, I usually feel very strongly about one verse. One verse pops out at me and I go, I can already tell my homily is going to be, be about that verse after usually one reading, sometimes a second one. And then I, I really kind of lean into that verse and then let my, let pray that, pray that the spirit expands my the application of that one verse to that year's homily. Okay. I I tend to I tend to focus on what God is teaching me right now. Hmm. Because there's always there just always is this connection with what God is teaching me and something in the verse. Amen. I don't you know and it's one of those kind of funny things that I I picked up on is that I I started realizing that a lot of the things, and I'm wondering if you experience this as well, that I preach on, it's not necessarily for me mm. that God's giving it to me, right? It's like God's giving it to me for them. Yep. And the way I really figured it out is I noticed that even when I'm, even when I know that I'm not in a great state before Christ, I still can preach pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is not ultimately for me. It, there's a, there's a gift going on, which is for other people, right? And so this is part, it became kind of part of my, 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 my way of, first approaching the scripture. It doesn't sound like too far from what yeah. you're saying either. It, pro it, it probably applies to me because I, I, I do know that, that um, our Lord, it's almost like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but like our Lord's been preparing for this week in my heart in other ways. So their experiences, through their prayer experiences, through other relationships. And all of a sudden the word of God is a is a tangible manifestation of what God has already been speaking to my heart. Yep. And then I imagine it's, it's similar. Like you go to ordain a priest and now all of a sudden God's like, by the way, my work in your heart is not only for you. I'm gonna work, right. so it's three people. But the same thing happened probably when you got married, when you had each child, because it's the same thing has happened. When you get married, all of a sudden what God is doing in your life affects those around you. Mm -hmm. And this happens to everybody, but more intensely, I think when you get married and the two become one, when you have kids, but especially as a priest or a deacon, when you will be preaching, all of a sudden God's like, by the way, some of your brain energy, your prayer energy is gonna be not for you, but rather so you can be eloquent about my word to this audience, these, mm -hmm. this community. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a sign of God's faithfulness. So what happened, what, I'm guessing you can say something that God's been doing in your heart about what we just oh, read. Oh, certainly. Every, it's, okay. every, it's, it's every time. This is, how, this is how it works. That's what's wild, as I'm wondering if you were having that same, that same way of, of approaching it. Uh, and, and part of that, I think, is because I'm so busy, I don't have time to do a lot of research yeah. the way that I, I once did. Yeah. You know, so it's a lot of times I just read the text and, okay, let's, yeah. let's go. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you have you to. You have to. Yeah. So, yeah. No, there, there's definitely stuff here that I want to talk about. Okay. Um, 
I'd say jump right in. Jump in. Okay. So, all right. So here's, here's the theme that's connected in my mind, right? So, so in the epistle, we notice that, that Moses has to make a choice like every prophet to pick what's better, mm. right? To pick, to pick the, what's more glorious, right? And he's picking the, the heavenly kingdom. Every prophet had to do the same thing, had yeah. to kind of make a choice along the way for what's better, right? And then you have, and then you have Philip or Nathaniel who's without guile, right? And what's, what's profound about him being without guile is that it means that he's, he's one who's not going to, uh, be persuaded by by the lesser qualities of life, mm. right? Yep. So there's, there's this, both texts, what they're emphasizing is the importance of, of picking the better, the better thing. Mm. And of course, it, in our, in our, in our preaching, it's going to be the better person. Yeah. Right. The more important person. Right. And so that to me is huge because, well, I'm reading, I'm reading a lot of St. Augustine right now. I'm reading the confessions and much of his journey is about that, right? It's about going through life and along, along the way in life, you find that, you know, this thing gives you a level of excitement, right? So, you know, maybe you got a new job, right? Gives you a level of excitement. And then you get that new job and what happens pretty quickly, you, you realize, oh, okay. Like it, it gets boring eventually. The honeymoon is over. Honeymoon's yeah. over. Yeah. So you get a new house. You know, have a new kid. Yep. <laughs> can kind of happen too. That's hopefully, messed hopefully up. Hopefully you're not listening. <laughs> oh, no, I miss my, I, I miss my kids so bad right now being away from them. But you know, you, you get new things, right? Yeah. Things, things, things. And you, and you, and you, as you get older, you, you start to realize, you know, I don't want like, well, maybe you think you do want to be excited about the new thing, but you, you realize that it's kind of trivial. You're just getting excited about the new thing again, right? The new thing that's going to bring me a very limited amount of excitement for a very limited amount of time, but you might be able to figure out the amount of time. Maybe this new thing is going to give me excitement for a week and that's kind of worth it. That's worth going forward for to get the new thing, right? But at some point, if you mature, you start saying, you know, I want the thing. I want the thing that lasts. I want the thing that has value. I want the thing that's going to ultimately make me happy. And it's not going to become boring within a week, within a couple of days, yeah. a couple of moments, right? And and ultimately, that's that's what this is about. That's what this was Saint Augustine's life. Is he kept he kept thinking, okay, I'm gonna it's friendship. Friendship's the thing. Now they die. Turns out people die, so that's not a good one, right? Getting glory is a good one, right? No, but it kind of doesn't do anything for you because you know Augustine did really well. He's a good rhetorician. He made made it really well. He's a good student. Had, I don't really, it's not that great. Really getting that kind of praise isn't that great. And, and the, and as he kept going, you know, how about, how about sex? I mean, it was fun, but at the end of the day, now I got an extra kid, Adamantius, and I got to deal with that mess. Right. And as he's going along, he's figuring it out. You, God, this was only a very limited, the good there was very limited in comparison to the kind of good that you can ultimately give me, which is lasting and yeah. beautiful. So, so I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about those connections and, and how God's calling me to, um, to, to care about what ultimately matters. Right. And so now I'm asking myself the question, how do I communicate that to my people? So that's kind of how my flow of thought processes through this. It is really interesting because I mentioned earlier that this is for catechumens and how the devil is going to be attacking them because the catechumens are explicitly leaving something. They're, they're leaving their old ways and they're coming closer to Christ. And as they leave their old ways, um, in a sense, the devil loves giving us what we want. He, he loves being able to answer our prayers. He loves when I ask for something and he says, yeah, here it is. I, God's not going to give it to you, but I will. And, and, and I think 
when that happens and when we when the devil gives us something that we ask for one of the the greatest gifts of god is to show us that that fails and and we oftentimes say that that hurts like it it, it hurts when that fails um but 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 the but god just says look i i let you have i let the devil give it to you and now i'm actually going to give you the choice and one of the ways that makes the choice easier is by showing that your the other things you wanted in the past in your previous life um that joy is going to fail and i want to give you something that will not fail that will be lasting um which of course is spouse which is children that, that extend in, into eternity um that is is a vocation that that is is the baptism i mean th these catechumens are moving towards towards uh towards the world and of course the the threefold spiritual step and the 30 steps of the ladder of divine ascent all begin with renunciation. It begins with purgation renunciation. There has to be something to renounce. There has to be something to purge ourselves of. We have made bad choices in the past and, and the, the kenosis, the self-emptying and the, the, the metanoia, the conversion is converting from something to something else. And so even when, when St. Paul to the Hebrews is talking about all these things that these prophets endured, he's doing the same thing. He, he, if it is Paul, we think it is. Um, he, he endured a lot of things and rejected a lot of things and then converted from one thing to the other. Yeah, I think so. What are you going to preach on that? Is that what you're going to preach on? No, just out of interest. I was actually running, running with what you were saying. Um, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna preach to the kids. I was. I, that wasn't a totally random question. I was gonna say, let's go down that path and okay. see what you would do next. But if you, if yeah. you're not preaching on that, let's go down what you're preaching. No, on. no, no. I uh, think it's more important to support what I you're, have, you're I have, actually gonna be doing. I have not written an adult doing. homily yet, so I only have the children's homily, which is about okay. seeing God and and Moses and Elijah seeing God, transfiguration, all that. So let's continue going down this route. Then, and maybe maybe this will be my adult homily. Okay. So look. So you got. Because the, the the whole theme here of this podcast is to try kind of write together, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so what would you do? So now you've got your theme. What's next? What's next on the menu? What do you do next? So now I would act, I would literally imagine myself looking at the congregation. So I have two congregations. So I, I imagine looking at them. I imagine the people that are there and I, and I, I reflect a moment upon what's going on in their lives. So like if, if I start with the outreach and I, I can right now, I look, I see, I look to the left. I see the Blaine family. I see Abigail. I keep on going. I see, we just have some guests, Yolanda. Anyway, go all the way around the room all the way to the right where the towels are sitting. And I, there's like little things that even that happened this week or in their lives that I know. And I let, I like let that sit there for a while. And I go, okay, now for this congregation, when it, when it comes to saying no to some things and yes to others, when it comes to, to choosing one way over the other, when it, when it comes to Nathaniel's um, lack of duplicity, which is another translation for guileless, right? Uh, uh, he, he lacks duplicity. He's, he's single-minded. When I think of, the willingness of the prophets and Moses to die as a slave rather than live as a king um, because that was God's will. What are these people giving up? What should they be giving up? What am I giving up? What should I be giving up? And then I, and then I, I, would, I would say may, maybe then identify that and then always speak hope to what we're looking forward to when Pascha comes along. The suffering is gonna be for these next 40 days or so, lean into that, lean into the suffering because hope is coming, resurrection is coming and liturgical living almost sometimes demands being more aware of our sins. And and then so, so sit in those, God's probably trying to hone you, purge you, bring you closer to him in the, into the struggles and the sacrifice that will end in the rejoicing of Pascha. And how does that apply to mm -hmm. these readings so I can actually have That's a few books? Yeah, you actually you actually envision the people you're going to preach to. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know that I do that. I put them in groups like old people, young people, <laughs> babies. <laughs> That's it. That's all I do. That's the extent of it. That's it. Yeah. So so but I mean I think there's something to say that though, because people not necessarily old and young but like when you look at you have to preach to everybody so you you need you need to say am i preaching something for the younger people am i preaching something for the older people and then you break that down into for me honestly for me it's like singles 
and married. That's usually the way I break it down. People that, that, that are See, single. That's not even a category in my mind. No, no. I, I just think those are such very different lives. We got, we got two singles here, Cowboy and, uh, and Sandy. You're right. Um, so like, like I want to make sure, cause oftentimes I will almost always preach primarily to married people. I assume that, that, that their life is harder. And so I, I think I want, I want to give, I want to give hope to married people who, who just getting through the day sometime is, is a big struggle and, and bring hope to there. But then I always, and this may be my fault, but secondarily, I will imagine, okay, now how do I apply this to the single people who are not going through the same experience? Interesting. Hmm. And ironically, I have mostly single people at the, at the Proto Cathedral, I think. We, I'm sure we have more single people than married people at the Proto Cathedral and the, the opposite at, at Santa Paula. So, you, yeah, you guys have a lot. I don't, over in Vegas, it's not the case. Hmm. No, we have, it's mostly married folks. That's because you marry people after like knowing them for an hour. In Vegas, just kidding. You don't. Yeah, Ve I don't. Vegas does. That's that's Elvis. He does that, not me. Father Elvis. Yeah. Um, I haven't done a marriage yet. Oh wow! As in your, in your entire priesthood. Nope, never done it. Did I let you talk? Did I? Did, did you tell me how long you were ordained? I think. I'm, I think I'm wrong. I think I said, I said four and a half years, but I might be wrong. Well, let me think. Oh, so a year and a half in Cleveland, right? Year and a half with you, and then six months here. I'm way wrong. <laughs> three and a half, it's three and a half years. Yeah. I don't think I did a Byzantine wedding within my first four years. I did a few Roman Catholic weddings because I was on my ritual, but yeah. Hmm. That's an interesting thing. What if this was a wedding homily? What would you say to a, a couple that's just beginning their married life together as a married man and as a priest? What would, what would you take from these texts and preach to somebody who's beginning a marriage together? Everyone always wants me to talk about marriage. <laughs> It's such a stereotype. We're like, oh, oh he's the married too. priest. They want to ask me about marriage. I was, I was telling my wife this the other day because I, I did another interview on marriage. And I was like, people don't realize I know some things. I know some things. <laughs> I just want to ask you about marriage. Um, okay, fair enough. I'll play the game. I'll play it. I'm a good sport. Um, gosh, what would I, what would I, how, how would I preach this to, to at a, why would we be using this? This You wouldn't because we're not supposed to do marriage during Lent. <laughs> I'm just literally moving with the spirit right, all right now. All right. All right. Well, then if it's the spirit, I have to obey. Um, okay. Because I'm going to steal it from my homily. That's my Okay. <laughs> so, so if I was preaching to married persons, you know, I, I think it's really important to, uh, to keep in mind how, how quickly life goes by, mm. you know, and, and we, we tell ourselves this every day. We, we always, we're always going, okay, today I'm going to be a good dad. Today I'm going to be a good husband today, you know, and then, and then we, it, the time, you know, it gets late and we go, okay, I don't, I don't really feel like praying, you know, that can turn, I don't really feel like praying with my kids that can turn into months. I could turn into years and, and what's, what's, what's hard is your kids will grow up so quickly before you. And that time, that little small window of opportunity to really invest what matters most in them, it, it's gone. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, it's weird to me. Like the, my, my oldest daughter is 14 that she's, she's like, a, she's a woman now. Yeah. Right. I, I went to the boxing gym the other day with her and I had to kind of take off. I, I wasn't wearing any priest clothes, but I, I, my psychology, it switched. I was like, I'm no longer priest, Nathan. I'm, I'll kill you if you look at my daughter, Nathan. <laughs> right. And, and it was like, what just did it, 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 That's awesome. it happens. And, and yeah, this, this kid, this is a little bit of banter here, but this kid, this kid walks up to me and he's like, Hey man, uh, where do you get these gloves? I'm with my daughter, you know, he clearly okay. like wants to, yeah. like, I'm like, well, they're not my gloves, so I don't know. Well, okay, but where do you get these gloves? I'm like, no, man, these are my gloves. I don't know whose gloves those are. He goes, they're my gloves. I go, then why are you asking me where I get these gloves? Because I don't, I don't know. I just wonder where you get them. I'm like, let me see the gloves. They say title, go to title online, go online, look up title, right? And he walks away. And, and my daughter was like, what was that? You know? And I'm like, oh, he was just a ding dong. He was totally just wanting to flirt with you. He thought that if like he could get on my good yeah. side, he could talk with you, right? But instead, I just thought he was a total ding dong. Is there so, anything wrong with me 
kind of being proud of the kid for doing that. <laughs> no, no, it's it, no, it's you know what? It's I told Sydney, he's he might be a ding dong, yeah. but I'll tell you the jerks. If any guy comes up to you and hits on me, like straight up hits uh, on you, yeah, in front of me, yeah, yeah, I said that's that one's a no bueno. Okay, and she asked me. I real I realized she asked me. She said, "Dad, you know, um, what if, what if, um, you had a boy, yeah, and a girl walked up and hit on him in front of you." And I was like, <laughs> "Good question." Um, the one. <laughs> I wouldn't care. <laughs> I'm just totally honest. I was like, "Oh gosh, that's that's such an interesting reality." That no, the uh, dad has a natural protection over the girl. Yeah. Whereas a boy, you don't have the level of protection. You, I mean, if this one's gonna hurt my boy, if I had a boy, I don't have a boy. Then okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it on. But if a girl hits on in front of, hits on my son in front of me, I'm be like. All right, son. Right? Why is that? Yeah, I, I, I think there's something. I think there's something there existential and societal about that both. But I have a quick question for you. This is totally off topic, but that's okay. Um, total squirrel. Um, what, like, what would your wife do if she was walking around with Sydney and somebody hit on her? I don't know. I, it would all depend on the way they did it. Okay. It would all depend on the way they did it. Like, if they were, if they were, if they were gross. Oh, Ali would yeah. make a scene. Okay. Right. And, but if it wasn't, you know, it was just, you know, some kid. Yeah. Like okay. flirt a little bit. She wouldn't make that big of a deal. I, I see a great wisdom in Allie, your wife, about like these things. Yeah. She she can she can discern really well and she can laugh it off when needs to be laughed off. She can kind of think it's cute when it's cute. You know, she can she can like see through a lot of that, I think. And then but she would also she can. She would also Take care of things. You need to take care of things yeah. and, and and share it with you. If she need to share it with you. Yeah, I'm kind of processing like what if this guy does something? What can I get away with? Am I allowed to slap a 15 year old in the head? I mean, what <laughs> what exactly? <laughs> what are the protocol here for this? Well, for this kind of a situation. Also, are you te are you teaching are you teaching your eldest how to fight? Uh, yes. Well, she's 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 um a very good looking girl and skinny and tall. And so she's got a little bit of pick, picked on a little bit yeah. for this. Yeah. And so she's finally kind of interested, which of course I'm excited yeah. because every one of, none of my girls ever want to do any sports with me. Okay. Right. And which is really depressing for me because I want to, I want to do sports with them. They, they want to play with Barbies and, and look on and do, you know, Snapchat or something. Um, so the fact that she wants to learn how to protect herself yeah. is, is really fun. Yeah. That's exciting. So we tried and, and she made it, she made it through the whole class. And at the end of the class, I said, Hey, you pulled through it then. Cause she was whining a lot. My hands are sweaty and stuff. I said, knock it off. Go, keep going. And she said, I said, what, how can we pull through the last five minutes? And hmm. she said, because I just kept thinking to myself, I hope I pass out so that my dad feels bad. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, so I was like, "City, that is that is your mom taught you that move. That's that's, that's called the martyrdom move." Oh, wait, back to the martyrs. Back to the but martyrs. That's not how that full works. Circle. We, we did a full circle there, so we're back to the oh, martyrs yeah. now. Choosing choosing the greater things. Yeah. And so, what what um what what inspired me about you, what you said earlier was that, and I think this is kind of the I always use the, even the term homework. Here's what I want you to take from this gospel from this epistle from this sunday and um so many saints have written about what you said today i mean the even the word today is yep. all over our liturgical language it's all over our stichita about saying the 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 mysteries of god and the mysteries of jesus christ over those over those years those three years especially um they are present to us now through through anamnesis so there's something about today though i, I do think there is something so uh, very tangible. This is the Feast of Icons. This is the Feast of the Incarnation about saying, you know, do something tangible today. And I'm, I, when I do this, as always, I'm preaching to myself because I am like, let me just, let me think about it for one more day. Let me think about it for one more day. And then it just gets totally lost. Um, and then I don't do it. But there's something about celebrating the incarnation of God and the fact that he gave us these things to engage with his incarnation that mean mm. thank God for the time and then use it wisely. Thank God for what he's given you and then use it wisely. It can also be a stewardship homily, I guess. You know, take what you have today and write a pledge card <laughs> to the church. <laughs> Sandy's a fundraiser. She, she thought that was good. Okay. Oh, amen. 
I did mine last week. That's okay. my big. I'm actually push. waiting. So we, we, we have a, we're about to get, hopefully we are, our both our properties are a mess. So we're hopefully going to get some very real estimates on how to build up the outreach soon. And then I'm going to use that for stewardship. And then when we get the same thing for the parish, I'll use that. So I'll be probably post Bosca, but yeah. So yeah, I, I love the aspect of, of today. Father Jack Custer used to say when talking about these earliest catechumens, you know, how, if you're, a, if you're a 16 year old boy walking 10 minutes to, to a holy supper in someone's house where you're going to have a Eucharist, you're going to be passing by three or four pagan temples that are beckoning you in for things that are completely hedonistic. Hey, come in here and eat whatever you want, be gluttonous, and it's actually going to help our society. The gods will reward you for being gluttonous. Walk past this house, you're going to come sleep with a prostitute, and when you do that, you'll you'll be helping out our society by 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 allowing the the goddess of of creation and and love to to support us. You know, so there's this how do you how do you say I'm going to walk past all those things to have a Eucharistic meal with the poor. It's just, and that's very much like Moses, right? He, he left all of the being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He left Pharaoh's own household to be a slave among his people who were slaves and, and then to, you know, suffer immensely. And then he went right back to Pharaoh and, and started preaching these things. So there's make a decision today and do some sort of action today that, that allows the next step in, in the process. And during the fast, that may be make, take an action by not doing something. You know, take yes. a step, step by by wanting to do something, then not doing it. It's do you do you find as well that that it's it's easier to make the big commitment to follow God during the fast, but it's harder to make the individual kind of choices along the way. Like it's the little things; it's not the big things. Do you know what I mean? You know, um, I have a really weird personality when it comes to this because I love the little things and I hate the big things. Like I. I, I would, even this morning, I, I, I wanted to get something to eat and I actually had something, sorry, Sandy. I had something with a little bit of dairy in it. It was just in the, um, in the, it wasn't like with dairy, but it was, I gave up dairy every day, including Saturday, but it had a little bit of dairy mixed in with the spinach because I really didn't want to eat this thing. But all the vegan things that were available, I wanted to eat more. So I actually ate the thing I wanted to eat less, even though it had dairy in it, rather than having something I wanted to have more, even though it was vegan. So like those little opportunities I see is exactly that. This is an opportunity to say, if it was Easter, I would eat this. But since it's not, I'm going to eat this. So the little bits are what you. The find. little bits, and I, I, I think that makes sense. And I definitely see that like makes sense. throughout my day, the Holy Spirit actually puts in my life, in my day, every single day, opportunities for little prayer, mm -hmm. fasting, and almsgiving that I'm more aware of because it's the great fast. And I, I love moving by the Spirit that way rather than having more of what I would call legalistic. I'm doing these things. That's great. But then there's days that I'm, I should be doing the big things because I'm so weak. I'm, I'm not able to really lean in as I do other days, but that, that's what I like about the fasts. It's those, I think, I think what you're honing in on though, is that the, those are like Holy Spirit given moments. Yeah. Where you get your opportunity to, to, to kind of shine or not. Yeah. All right. Last night. So don't, Tell Father Stephen. Okay, but we were gonna have fish <laughs> at his house. Okay, we're supposed to have fish. Okay. So we we're having salmon. Oh, and we got home. Okay, and he had a big bowl of vegetable soup with like every vegetable in the world, all of them. <laughs> every, imagine every vegetable. I can see the disappointment on your there face. Were Forty right vegetables. Now. Both Father Leandro and I looked at each other wrong. Okay, so, so, um, I noticed that I was slightly annoyed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that I don't, I don't want to eat that. Right. And then, and then Father Leandro brought guacamole and chips. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's like I started dipping the guac, the chips in the guacamole. Okay. And that's how I ate the soup <laughs> with guacamole <laughs> chips. Right. I was like doing my best to get something substantial yeah. because, you know, vegetable soup sucks. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> yep, objectively. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, but I know, but what I, but I was definitely paying attention to is my ungratefulness, mm. right? And I was thinking about how, how gracious Father Stephen is by, by, by hosting us and, and by properly keeping the fast mm. and, um, not getting meat fish, right? Yeah. Um, but here I was, um, in this small detail. Um, struggling 
with with my gratefulness, with my thankfulness, right? Yeah. And it's like though that to me, though that's a moment of failure. It's also a moment of growth because I can see where I was um, gluttonous in my own soul and right and where where I was like self-consumed, if you will. Like mm. you know, like I like I I I was more about my myself in the sense that I was allowing my irascible nature that's your 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 uh, emotional nature to to be slightly ignited just mm. slightly but still nevertheless ignited over not having more substantial food right and then you compare and then I, of course I was took this a step further and I was thinking about about how the saints like say G Jesus said to be satisfied with just your daily bread. That's sufficient, right? That's your, your, which if you just have food today, then, then that's sufficient. And then St. Paul kind of came through my head, right? Where, where he says, uh, you know, that, uh, food and food and, and clothing matter very little, right? But I thought, Oh boy, I am so addicted to this world, mm. right? And that's, that's kind of part of the process of the fast is, yep. is people oftentimes think, do I, well, I don't want to fast. Well, you don't, if you don't fast, you will never see how selfish you are. Yeah. Right. I mean, you'll never really get a picture of how selfish you are or how weak you are that you actually can't do it. Yeah. Like I surprise myself how weak I am. I wake up in the morning. I'm like, it's going to be a great day. I'm going to give up everything today. Like I'm, I'm just praying and I'm like, this is, I, I'm so on fire. And like the first big temptation comes and I'm like, whoops, how, how do I change that in an hour? So I think. I think I'm going to preach to the kids on seeing God, especially in icons, but using that as a inspiration to see God in others and, and, and what it means that God became incarnate. God became one of us, making us out of the cross, doing prostrations, all the things that kids like doing. Um, to the adults I'm going to talk about today and making, making a decision in the moment. Um, sometimes to do things, sometimes to not do things. And then I'm going to kind of say, Maybe make the theme I, as I continue to process, like how to choose what is harder. When you have two choice, here, here's how to choose what is harder if that's God's will. Think of Moses, um, you know, even think of Nathaniel throughout his life as one who's not duplicitous and then kind of lean into that this week um, before next week. What, when I, when I, hold on real quick. What's the, what's the, I'm trying to find the connection. What is the connection between seeing God? Mm-hmm. And the text, what are, what are you seeing there? Uh, well, Philip says, come and see. And, and there was, he, he says, okay. And, and, and Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. So okay. th there's a, there's a, a using the, the sense of visibility. Okay. So, so you're focusing on the gospel. I'm going to focus on the gospel for the kids and then the icons. Okay. Um, and then just Sunday of icons and then mention the, you know, being the mouthpiece of God as well. So ears, eyes, Things that kids know, they like, they can point them out. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, for the adults, it's going to be, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then for the adults, it's going to be the today. It's going to be more, more epistle with, with these, these Old Testament people who were also living in, in sometimes a pagan world, but even, even a world where, where pagan, pagan, you know, pagan culture started creeping in and they were allowing it. That's why they needed the prophets. You know, the Babylonians came in, the Syrians came in because they were choosing easier, more hedonistic things over the harder life of, of having an unblemished calf, offering God your best, go, going to the temple, celebrating the high holy days, things like that, that, that were actually were harder than the culture around them. And that's why Solomon and everybody else is slipped up. And that's why when Jesus came, the Romans had taken over the land. So, but what do you mean by today? Like, what is the what's in other words? There? There's a there's an opportunity. I, I think I've done this before, but I'll, there's a there's a daily grind that we have to have to say I'm going to be better at this in 30 years on my deathbed. I'm going to be holier than I am now, and I have that time. But there's also the daily vocation opportunity because, like you said, we don't may not have 30 years. Time flies. So, so what can I do today, tangibly, physically? incarnationally to live out my faith, especially during this time of the great fast, that that's going to be oh, a- Well, that's kind of what we're hitting on, right? With these individual small acts. Exactly, right? exactly. So 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 make, make a small act, even right now, make a small act today, make a small act this week, something like that. It's kind of corny. I'll, I'll, I'll hone it in before tonight. 
I'll try to make it less I'll uncorn it. Seize the will. moment. Yes, exactly. So um anything else, Father? We may ask for some questions. We have um, nobody watching right now, so we'll have to ask those who are sitting behind us if they want to ask a question. Cowboy has a whole list. We have time for maybe do you have anything else? We have time for maybe one question though, if you don't. No, whatever. That's okay. that works. I think I think in an event like this, it is good to to ask any question, but literally any, anybody who is watching us in our little booth right now, I've walked away. So actually, so Jose, Valeria, Cowboy, Sandy, do you guys have... Ask, they don't ask questions. Yeah. So I, I just said all of you are here. So if none of you asked a question, I'm shaming you. Do, do any of you have intelligent thoughts that you would like <laughs> to communicate Whoa. and question for him? Hey, you told me I was supposed to be the mean priest. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's the bad, he's the bad, guy. bad cop, priest. bad priest. I'm the good cop, good priest. So if any of you do, go ahead and walk up to the mic and I would be, I would be honored to listen to Chris. Here we go. Cowboy's going. I'm going to softball it. Softball it, Cowboy. Give us something easy. Thank you, Cowboy. I don't want, yeah. I don't want Cowboy's hardballs. <laughs> they could hurt. So just because many might not know of you or who you are, this is more for Father Michael, but I think Father Nathan does it. You mentioned... Children's homily and adult homily. Yes. For us Roman Catholics, that's not a thing. Ah. So what is this thing that you do? So um, I, after the gospel reading, I sit down and invite the kids up and I, I pretty much preach an adult homily for children. <laughs> I, I don't really water it down because I, don't, I think that will just bore the adults out of their minds and they'll just shut down. I don't want them to do that. So, But I also want to actually... I always assume that the kids are smarter and more mature than they actually are. And they will retain more than most people think they will. So I, I pretty much preach in a way that, that kids like being the center of attention. They like knowing that the priest actually is paying attention to them. So I invite them up. I look at all of them in the faces and I give a little homily to kids, a little piece of homework. And I ask them questions that they give the most interesting answers in the world to. Um, and then, but it's, it's an, all the adults are there too. And I, I preach loud enough so all the adults can hear as well. And then I send the kids away after giving them a blessing. And then I give a, a second uh, homily to the adults who are there. Sometimes I have the kids, I tell them to keep on paying attention. I'm going to continue building on this idea with the adults. Sometimes I preach something totally different. Um, but that's what my, my two homilies are. And I can say, um, I know I've said this before, but the, the, that I was inspired to do that by the pastor I grew up with who would do this on Christmas. So Christmas Eve, he would do, he would preach to the kids first and he would always end with this funny thing. Repeat after me. I, I, my name, name, will give, will give all my, all my gifts to, gifts to Father Chris. And so they would say, the key would get the kids to say this, you know? And it was like, but- um, I'm gonna totally do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stealing that. That's great. It was a great idea. So I did that one Christmas in Denver when I first got there and the adults were like, that was amazing. You should do that again. So then I did it again and I started doing it every single Sunday. But what, what, it, what it became was, since I do do it every Sunday now, what it really did become was it became such a, a draw to people that only come once because as many have said, like, adults will come back if their children are happy. If their children like it, they will, even if they don't, their children will come back. If, if, the, if the children want to come back or if the children are engaged with the children are obviously loved by a parish community, like you, you can draw a lot of good and beautiful families by focusing on their children. We're going to educate your children. We're going to raise them. We're going to make sure they grow up in the faith. We're going to do all these things for your kids and that'll draw the adults back again. So the children's homies have been very successful. I found with, with drawing families that actually want, want the focus be on their kids. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm still doing children homilies. Good. Amen. I kept it up. I kept it Amen. up. Now, that Father Mike doesn't really correct people. He doesn't like, you don't necessarily like know. <laughs> like, it's never harsh, you know, it's really, it's really <laughs> gentle. But he used to get slightly annoyed. This is like, I can, I can read it, but like no one else could see that he was slightly annoyed. But I could, I could after a while because he would be like, you know, Father Nathan, because he, because I would forget to put together a child something. Like, I learned that parents really love you more if you love their children. So that's why I do it. If you're wondering the logic behind why you should be doing it. I think you only forgot or you only didn't do it once that I found out about. That you found out about. Okay. Yeah. But you, but you did. He was my vicar for but she, a year. She did and, and, yeah. 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 No, but you, you should be proud. I did, in fact, keep it up. Uh -huh. And, and, um, and uh, evidently Father Francis Bavona used to do it as well. Oh. And he would okay. say, and he would say, actually, like when, when I found out what he would say for the kids to leave, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. I actually say that mm -hmm. at times because I don't, I don't have all the finesse. He would say, scat. 
The same thing. The get same, out of here. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> so that's fun. Yeah, what do I say? I just say, I just give a blessing. What do I say? Just at the end. Because I say, I say, I say, come on up, little ones. But I forget what I say at the end. That's the they're welcome up. Anyway, you're much you're much more gentle with with the little kids than I am, and I don't know if that's just because of your demeanor or because because I'm a parent. Yeah, I was gonna say you have you have kids, and you you know what they can do. Yeah. You you just gotta like now get out of here, go. Well, uh, the 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 most the angriest criticism I've ever gotten, and it was totally irrational. That letters to the bishop about me ignoring their kid or not building up their kid in the homily. So like if, if a couple kids give an answer, one kid will say something and I'll be like, and there was, there was obviously there was one family, um, God bless them who would, who would give, who would read the, the gospel ahead of time and give their kids thoughts to bring up during the children's homily. And so, but if the poor kid, I would give it, I would preach on a whole different topic and they would, they would give an answer to something that I didn't ask. Oh, and because they memorized what their kid, what their parents wanted them to say, and so there was times when I would say, you know, like, oh, that's that's a great thought, beautiful, um, but I I actually want to ask about this thing, and the parents would be offended at that that I'm not paying attention to their kid. That's a whole just, that's a whole different topic, right there. Because then they would actually turn around and look at their parent. They would say it and look back at their parent, like, did I do well? You know, uh, it was like, oh, so it's like there there are there are things you have to be careful of um, with that, but. Yeah. But that's but that's more of a and I don't know them but that's that's more of their issue. That's oh, a, it was it was yeah. That's a kind of a but and, I, and I, I would for some issues. There. I would tell the bishop. I would be like, just you know, please, thank you. I, I know you got a letter. I got it too. But um, yeah. So anyway, all right, Father, we are just over an hour. We should probably uh, close up. Okay. But uh, so normally on the What God Is Not podcast, which I get, which we will post this to, um, I will give the spiel about where you can find us, and then we'll do prayer intentions. If you remember from last time, I'll ask all those here. Let's do it very quick because there's what six of us. Let's just do a very quick prayer intention. But but our listeners do pray. We've gotten many responses back that they do pray for these intentions. So um, we will have we get about five thousand downloads a week. I look, just looked. Um, so hopefully every week we'll have about 5,000 people praying for your intention. So, um, all right, I will start. Um, I will just make it very, very general. Um, we, we put up this Byzantine booth at the LA Congress every year. And a lot of times there are people that come to my parish and will say, you know, oh, I saw you guys at the Congress. So the Spirit's working here, even just to share the good news of the Byzantine Catholic Church. Um, so just pray the Holy Spirit knows who they are for anybody who discovered us for the first time who uh, found out who we were because they were drawn to our booth because of the beautiful icons or beautiful chalices, et cetera, or the uh, beautiful people that are bringing them in. Um, and just pray that that the spirit moves in the hearts of those uh, for education, but also for spiritual growth for those who are just discovering our Byzantine Catholic Church here at the LA Congress. Father Nathan, pray attention. Oh, sorry. Yeah, um, I, I'm not used to this. Anybody okay. else? Anybody else want to have one in mind? Jump in there. All right, cowboy, we're going to put you on the spot. Uh, I'm just going to ask for prayers for my mom. Her name is Sharon. If you pray in first name, Sandy. Oh man, um, I work with high schoolers, and I have a retreat planned for them this coming weekend, so that they um, may have open hearts and encounter our Lord in a new way. Amen, Jose. Um, I want to pray for an increase in vocations, uh, both for the Byzantine Catholic Church, but also for the Roman Catholic Church. I know we're in a shortage of vocations right now. Um, so, yeah. Amen. We'll let you go last, Father Nathan and Valeria. Prayers for my mama, who's having a surgery very soon, and she's had a lot of complications. So, just pray for her healing process. Amen. Father Nathan. I was hoping that I had someone ask me to pray for something and a couple of people now I've, I've gone, I've drawn a blank on how I can even present what mm -hmm. they're asking me to pray for. So um, I'll just pray this, uh, pray for, uh, pray for a, a, a serious fast. Right. Amen. All right. Thank you all for listening. Um, you can find us on our website at whatgodisnot.com. We are also on all the podcast uh, platforms. Um, we are also on Instagram. We are on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Padre Michael O. We have a, a Patreon page where you can support our nonprofit. So go to Patreon, look up What God Is Not. Our nonprofit is called Fotina, fotina.org. 
Um, we support many missions of evangelization. We actually just bought Father Nathan a microphone recently and, uh, and have helped a bit with um, advertising for the podcast that he and I will hopefully do together, um, which is, is penciled in as being called um, the Eastern Padres right now. Uh, it's a play on the Eastern Fathers, um, the Eastern Padres. Um, then, uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, we have a, a Goodreads page where you can see what we're reading. You can put what you're reading and I have our media team engaged with you in that. We're on YouTube, um, audio only. And you can contact us on email, whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please do um, share this on the many ways of sharing this. Uh, we have found that that word of mouth and obviously if someone appreciates something that we've said, the Spirit's worked in their heart when they share it with their friends, that's the greatest way of, of spreading what we're trying to do and the Spirit works through that. So um, I hope totally unselfishly, please do share this um, for the sake of the glory of God. And I think that's everything, Cowboy. Is that all my, did I do everything? Okay, I'll finish with the blessing then. May Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord soften your heart to fully engage in this great fast. May he give you courage and dedication. May he give you conversion of heart that you may fully appreciate and receive the immense graces of the resurrection of our Lord that we celebrate and receive at the end of this time. May our Lord prevent any attacks of the devil. May you have the zeal to work today, to respond to Christ's work today. May you not be intimidated by what is hard, especially as you begin this great fast, um, that you may start small and resist the temptations. You may pray fast and give alms in a way that is small, be patient with yourself first, but then also grow as our Lord asks in virtue and in grace. May you truly treasure truth and beauty and goodness, the Christ that the ways that Christ offers those to us um, in a tangible way, in a in a incarnate way. May you always thank God every day and be truly gracious for his incarnation, his passion, his death, his resurrection, ascension, the spirit of Pentecost, and his invitation to us who join him in heaven through theosis. May our Lord grant you everything you need, even the salvation of your souls. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.